The show starts in one minute. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, on with the show. And welcome to episode 71 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. We are back in jolly old England in a recording studio set up deep inside Sherwood Forest. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Some call me Sky Chief. And joining me, as always, is the little John to my Robin Hood. It is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. Welcome back to Sherwood, Pat. Oh, oh, hey, Jared. Um I was just in the middle of thinking about something. Let me just uh, finish this thought here. Uh, change the oil, loop the <laughs> lubrication um, mm-hmm. radiator, and check it. The, the tires. Jardine, is there a spot in Sherwood Forest that I could get, you know, a good lubrication done? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I got a return question for you, Pat. This is not a visual medium. Do, do you validate parking? I do. This is not a visual medium. So those of you who are listening to the show, just hang in there with me. Pat, you got a ukulele with you? Because if not. Well, I do. Okay. That's all I need. That's all I need. Because if you showed up with no ukulele, I was going to be pissed off. So saith the Sky Chief. All right. Uh, I see what you're trying to do. (laughs) It's twice. I've slipped it in there. Also joining me is the ugliest maid Marion of all time. It is my older, wiser brother, Jason, the weasel skull, not Sky Chief. Albrecht, how are you uh, today, Jason? Well, I'm feeling like a Sky Chief, Jared, but uh, yeah, Pat, I need some help, man. Okay. I got the law after me. What I need to do is to have you hide me in your basement, and then what you're going to do is set your entire house on fire, and that will convince the law that I went up in flames with your house. Okay. But really, I was hiding out in your basement. I make a clean getaway. Everybody wins. Sounds like a good plan, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Well, by everybody, I mean me. Hmm. Huh. Anything for you, Jason? Anything for you? I'll pay you three guineas. Just when you're down in the basement, don't worry about those sky strikers that are sitting there. Just they'll be fine. I think. Oh, they will be, be fine. They won't. They, they won't. Will, I'll make sure those sky strikers make it out in one piece, Pat. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys discussed that. We got someone else to welcome to the show. It is our very own lovable Friar Tuck. It is Delvin. Silver Hands, the Dark Web, Pop Pop Hiss, Felix Lighter, sometimes Coffee Black, pretty sure he's Temp Destro, definitely not Sky Chief, Williams. (laughs) If I can't have it, you can't have it, Jared. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm fine. And I just want to point out, even though we're not talking about the episode just yet, that uh, Robin missed out on a prime opportunity because they're like, hey, you know, uh, we kind of heard you're an archer. And he's like, you know, yeah, I fell around with archery or whatever. And then he could have like shot it and missed and like, surprise, <laughs> I'm not really an archer. That worked out much better than I planned. Uh, all right, I'm done. I am done. Oh, well, now we've got all our inside jokes on the outside. We have a guest, kind of. He kind of lives here. We're going to give guest status. It is our old friend, Alan Porter, a.k.a. Tex, possibly a Sky Chief. Not certain, but we'll find out. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you. Good to be back, guys. Back in Sherwood Forest, place I love. But I am a little late. I just took Jill down to the nearest gas station so she could admire the polished floors and the machines <laughs> with the dials in and the shiny cans of oil. She was most impressed. I can just see her like, oh, <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> he told I know we'll get to it when he showed off some machines he didn't even say what they did he was just like look at these machines hey machines with dials on they're so cool man <laughs> so okay. futuristic oh we'll get to it folks um, Alan you get to answer the question that the guests get to answer Okay. What is, what is your first memory of Robin Hood and what is your favorite iteration of Robin Hood on the screen well I actually don't remember a time when I didn't know about Robin Hood. I think I just grew up with Robin Hood. I mean, in England, I think it's written in the Constitution that there has to be a Robin Hood TV show every year of some sort. There's always was Robin Hood books on the shelf, uh, still is. Um, All right, I'm going to stop you for a question. 
Okay. Because we've talked in the past about how you had James Bond annual, like annuals are a big thing in, in England. Uh-huh. Did, did they do Robin Hood annuals? Oh, I'm sure they did. But I also remember, it, like, if there was a general boys' adventure annual, there was probably a Robin Hood story in it. I mean, Robin Hood was, you know, part of the mythology and folklore. Nobody had the copyright on it. You know, if you wanted a, an adventure story, Robin Hood was the one to go to because nobody owned the character. So you just grew up. There was Robin Hood stories everywhere. So I, I always remember Robin Hood. The one thing I really do remember is actually this show. I think this was the first show that I remember a theme tune for for when I was growing up. The da, 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 da. I still do that when I'm messing, you know, if I get a cardboard tube and pretend it's a bow and arrow or whatever, I still do that. <laughs> uh, my kids hate it, but I still do that. <laughs> you know, the Robin Hood, Robin Hood. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I just remember growing up with this, show, with this show. I don't remember any of the episodes particularly, but I remember... I think this was the first theme tune I ever recognized from the TV. But my actual go-to show when I was growing up was uh, Rocket Robin Hood. Which Say more. Rocket, <laughs> Twee- Twee- D, Rocket Robin Hood? <laughs> no, Rocket Robin Hood. Not, not, not the Jackson's version. Not the Michael Jackson version. No. Rocket Robin Hood with a T. Rocket Robin Hood was a Canadian Saturday morning cartoon with basically... Robin and his gang living on Sherwood asteroid, and they all had jetpacks and spaceships and fought bad guys in space. It was awesomely bad, and it also has an equally memorable, obnoxious theme tune, which I've already supplied Jared with, and he's probably <laughs> going to insert right now. Come gather around me, space travelers surround me, hark now to the ballad of Rockin' Robin I may well confound you, astound you, spellbound you with heroes and villains, the bad and the good. Watch now as our rockets race here from afar, for now with our Robin we live on a star. the show so probably but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah alan sent me the theme and with the opening credits earlier today and it looks so cool it's it's, it's exactly what we started it's like futuristic robin hood like i used to watch gilligan's planet if anybody remembers that cartoon same concept take something that's beloved on tv boot it in the future <laughs> put it in space put jetpacks on the back you're good yeah so that that was my favorite robin hood growing up but uh as I'll probably be doing this again, not too distant. I'll, I'll leave the rest of my Robin, more recent Robin Hood memories for, for next time I'm on the show. But in terms of favorite Robin Hood, I'm going to split it. Today, I'll tell you what's my favorite Robin Hood movie. Next time, we'll do favorite Robin Hood TV show. So uh, my favorite Robin Hood movie um, is the one that you all dissed on the last episode, which is the original Errol Flynn, Warner Brothers, Adventures of Robin Hood. No, no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Did we diss it? You sort of dissed it, yeah. Um, because everything else comes from that movie. Every other Robin Hood after the 1940s is based on that story, that look, those ideas. So um, it's it to me, it's the quintessential sword fight, swashbuckling Robin Hood story. So that's the one. I, if I want to watch a Robin Hood movie, that's the one I tend to put on. Hmm, that's a good idea for maybe when we just one of those ten episode yeah. landmarks that we. I was do. thinking the same thing because yeah. I don't think I've ever. Seen I don't it. think I've ever seen it. Really? I've seen it. I've seen You've it never seen the Errol Flynn one? Well, okay. I've seen it. <laughs> it's good. It's got Basil Rathbone in it. It's got glad Basil Rathbone in it. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Glad this isn't a visual medium so that the audience can't see the disappointing look. <laughs> the withering me. look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and Pat right now. I'll accept it because I, I don't see anything. <laughs> I've watched eight movies. <laughs> So that's my early Robin Hood memories. Yeah, it's pretty much there's always been Robin Hood as a right. part of my life. 
peek behind the curtain, folks. We had other guests lined up for tonight. They got sick. Alan filled in, and Alan's booked to be our next guest. That's why he's going to give us the second half when we get back to Sherwood in a couple of episodes. With that, Pat, do your thing. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review, sometimes in Dick Show, brought to you by the Lombok's Crusade where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movie serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. On this episode, we will continue our indexing of all 39 episodes of the 1955 television series, The Adventures of Robin Hood. 1955's Robin Hood was produced by Sapphire Films, Run by Hannah Weinstein and Sidney Cole. It starred Richard Green as Robin Hood and Alan Wheatley as the Sheriff of Nottingham. So take refuge in the forest, take off your quiver of arrows, get cozy around the fire, and let the gregarious music of the Merry Men whisk you away into the past. But don't forget, stash your money in your boot or you're going to lose that loot. Okay, before we hand over to Delvin for this episode's info, let's take a look, or in this case, listen to a commercial that would have been playing at the time of this recording back in 1955. This will help us get in the right time frame of mind, if you will, transport us back to the 50s. <laughs> You'll see why I'm laughing. <laughs> for, this, for this episode's commercial retro rewind, we have Texaco. Use the oil, have the car lubricated, check the radiator, check the tires. How will I ever remember all that? Oh, wait a minute, ma'am. You don't need to remember everything about your car. All you have to remember is one thing. Get in your car and drive it to your neighborhood Texaco dealer. He'll do the rest. Let's try it and see. There, that's the place. Nice, clean-looking station, isn't it? You see, ma'am, cleanliness and efficiency are habits with Texaco dealers. Well, go ahead, take a look around. That's where your car will be lubricated with Marfac. The lubricant that gives your car that smooth, cushiony feeling for a thousand miles or more. Notice that up-to-date equipment. Looks as modern as tomorrow, doesn't it? No doubt about the kind of service you'll get here. And remember this, your Texaco dealer has nothing but the finest of products for your car. For instance, when it comes time to drain and refill your crankcase, you get the best motor oil your money can buy. Advanced, custom-made Haviland. And that new top-octane sky-cheap gasoline not only delivers top power, but it also protects your engine from wear because it's supercharged with Petrox, Texaco's exclusive petroleum-based non-metallic additive that leaves no harmful deposits, reduces engine wear. Yes, indeed. Take a friendly tip from Harry Bonzel and get acquainted with your neighborhood Texaco dealer. You'll find that he's an expert at keeping that car of yours running the way it should all the time. You see, he knows how busy you girls are, what with getting the kids off to school and doing the shopping and the hundreds of other things you do. And he's anxious to keep that car of yours dependable, trouble-free. Get to know your Texaco dealer. You'll find he's the best friend your car has ever had. All right. Alan, you get to go first. I'm sure you saw no flaws in it, and it's a perfect commercial. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, it is a perfect commercial. It's a perfect commercial of how horrible things were in the 50s with the misogyny and the patronizing and the... Didn't catch it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Uh, I'm a joke maker, Alan. I'm a joke maker. <laughs> in some ways, it was horrifying, and in other ways, it was funny. Um, I'll tell you what, I didn't dare show it to Jill, despite what I said up front. I actually <laughs> thought about showing it to Jill, and I thought, no, no, I'm not going to do that. She'll kill me if I show her that commercial. It's, uh, do, do, do you know, the funny thing is, you mentioned earlier about all the, the uh, when we were, before we started recording about all the brand names, you know, it was decades before I actually figured that actually Haveline and Texaco were even connected. I just thought one was gas and one was oil. Um, it wasn't until I was probably in my teens or whatever, it suddenly was like, oh, they're the same company. Maybe uh, it's gasoline. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was, <laughs> there was uh, so many fun let's make up brand names in there that I just, yeah, I was just cracking up at the uh, let's Sky make up. Chief. A, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so. Yeah, it was a whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. Was the was was the announcer guy meant to be somebody famous? I yeah, it didn't it didn't occur to me to think that he was. Because he, sort of said, he said he said his name like it was important, like we should mm-hmm. do they this. did. I have no idea who that was. Oh, okay. I just wondered if it was some American fifties pop culture newsreader type guy I should have known, but nope. Okay. Now aside from a couple of appearances by Mike Wallace, I haven't reckoned recognized anybody we've had mike wallace talking about golden fluffo we've had mike wallace doing the penetration test if you didn't hear that episode i bet you have questions uh but anyway let's move on to pat what did you think of the commercial i liked it i thought it was pretty clean just like the gas stations that would go to the super clean glass stations you know you don't find those anywhere anymore i've done a lot of traveling throughout this lands of america in my life and boy would I kill for a nice clean gas station? <laughs> you make a good point, Pat, because there's a couple of gas stations that I will use on the regular just because I know how clean they are. Like there's one that I stop in in my regular trips from here to Montgomery and back. Hey, just Buc- because I know how clean it is. Bucky's have built a whole new brand on the fact that they're the cleanest gas stations. Yeah. <laughs> don't so, don't start me on Bucky's. Bucky's is amazing. It is, yeah. I still haven't been to a Bucky's. Oh, I don't even know. you're missing is. out. You were missing out. Oh, I see everybody talking about it on social media. Do I have one in Alabama? Do I have Bucky's? They're they're supposed to open one in Auburn. War Eagle. There there's a thought of. I mean, I heard talk about it. So if you have you've been to Auburn, yes, I think there's a Bucky's nearby. I think oh. so. Oh, but we're anyway. stopping by cleanest bathrooms in Texas. So probably Alabama too, man. I, I, I well, going back to, to Pat's point though. It's a uh, general store also. I mean, <laughs> shut and, up know, you, get, you get spices and, and there's cooked meats. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh. And gifts and yeah, it's, and yeah. But going back to Pat's point about the commercial from 1955, a lot of, you know, bad stuff about, about oh i'm just a girl i don't know how gas stations work and all that but the good thing was like they took pride in the cleanliness and that's pat you made a good point you don't see that a lot anymore jason they let her drive anyway i mean there's, there's that. that there's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now before laurel starts getting complaints in our hr office it was 1955 and yeah not a good look by today's standards but I, Pat took my point because I was just amazed at the cleanliness, not just of the gas station, but of the attendant. This one took pride in his appearance. He took pride in those oil cans. They were stacked up, dress right, dress right there, you know, by the, you know, where the car will pull up. So it's ready to go to put in your crankcase. Yeah. You just don't see that anymore, that stack of cans anywhere. Like it no. used to be. No, and then he had like 14 dials. It was like Space Age, 1955 Space Age, but Space Age. And I don't know what any of those dials did. I suspect they did nothing, but it made it look cool. So I was all in, man. I was you too know. busy thinking about, like, I got to pick up the kids. Then I got to stop like at the groceries. Mm-hmm. These dials look cool. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I'm just going to repeat what Pat said. Really impressed by the cleanliness, orderliness, and how everything was really st- you know, to use the military term strack, everything is strack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm not, not, it might've changed in recent years. Last I checked, I think New Jersey was the only place that still had gas attendants. I know Oregon did, uh, Oregon at did least for, in the two thousands. I don't know if they, they got uh, they changed that. Or, I, I oh, okay. think New Jersey was the last holdout and I don't know if they still do or not. Anyway, Delvin, you've got the mic. On a scale of one to 10 for misogyny, like in my opinion, it was like a, it was like a four, like, but it and it did make me laugh because, like, the lady's like, "Oh my god, it's like four things. <laughs> How can I remember four things?" It's like, write, write it down. <laughs> it's, this is not an unsolvable problem, ma'am. That's all I'm saying. Like, you could have given it a more difficult thing. But what I did like is, I don't think they do that at gas stations anymore, where you can get your oil changed, right? That used to be very commonplace, and now that's not the case anymore. So it is kind of cool that you had a place that you can go, you can get your gas fill up, you can 
be sitting in a nice clean station. It doesn't look like a bunch of grease monkeys are sitting, you know, sitting around doing whatever. And you can get your oil changed and everything, and you can see what oil, and then you got all the cool futuristic gadgets. So there were selling points that Texaco was offering. It was kind of like an all um services gas station, kind of like Bucky's, but not without, you know, not the cooked meats. But it, n- nevertheless, it was still a good idea. I was interested just in the premise because, well, no, I was going to say, you know what? I mean, maybe guys could go there to get their oil changed, but probably not. It was probably <laughs> seen as like, you go to another man and get the <laughs> to change. oil changed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey man, I do it. I do oh, it. I do it all the time. Like if, I, if my hands got dirty, I'm gonna change my shirt. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Any fresh meats while I'm waiting around? All right, to do my- we're gonna do this around the room. He, who here changes their own oil? And I'm betting it's only Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Not for about twenty years. Oh, I thought you were such a car guy that you would. I like. am, but cut modern cars, I wouldn't even touch it. No. Oh, anybody here? Change your no. own. No? no, no. I I used to. One of my jobs as a younger boy was doing oil changes at a dealership that I worked for. Okay. So I would do it. I mean, so, I I've, I've changed my own oil back in college because man, I wasn't about to spend that fourteen dollars on an oil change. Same. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I have changed my oil before, but like now, mm-mm, I make enough money. <laughs> Somewhere the Marlboro guy who just takes his car apart just to put it back together is extremely disappointed in all of us. That's right. <laughs> in, in heaven, because he's dead of long time. <laughs> uh, see, I was, I was told I couldn't do it anymore because I took my ratchet gun to undo the oil pan thing and, it just, and just oil just went everywhere. I'm going to need that sound effect again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Now, now that we have all this, I can't believe we made it this far to the show. Uh, let's get to the episode info. Delvin, save us all. Episode two was titled The Money Lender. The original air date was the 2nd of October, 1955. The director, Ralph Smart. The writer, Ian Larkin, with guest stars Leo McKern as Herbert the Money Lender. Bruce Seaton as Will Scatlock and Alfie Bass as Edgar. As a reminder, all 39 episodes are available on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast, because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode, and we're going to discuss it. There's some spoilers heading your way, so if you haven't watched this episode, we recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, then come back to join our discussion. It's only 26 minutes, y'all. Not that big of a time demand. For those of you who are watching along with us, we would love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag I'm following Robin Hood and Pat is up. Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Jared, you're up. Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. That's, that's very, very nice, Jared. Keep, keep it going, Jason. Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. And hashtag Jason equals Sky Chief. What the fuck? Alan, would you like to participate in these hijinks? Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. And unlike the rest of you, I can do it in a British accent. <laughs> you have a natural cheat there. Uh, and, uh, Why me? I can't too. No, no, that was, that, I don't know what that was. Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. And with that, we turn it over to Jared for the episode summary. Robin Hood has officially joined the Outlaws of Sherwood and finds himself under the leadership of Will Scatlock. That's fun to say, by the way. 
Will has been running the band of thieves for many years, and he's not so sure that he likes Robin's more strategic approach to the thieving game. Robin wants to be more selective in their victims, stealing only from those who deserve it. So Robin, with the help of Edgar, sets out for his first robbery. It's a cruel moneylender. After their successful and amusing theft, Robin returns some of that money to the poor people that the moneylender was preying upon. This, of course, upsets Will Scatlock. He wants all the money. But Robin points out that ingratiating themselves to the commoners of this land will make it easier to avoid the sheriff and his men. And wouldn't you know it, that exact thing happens when Scatlock makes an ill-advised raid on a wine delivery. One of the commoners that Robin assisted earlier sacrifices his home to save Robin and Edgar, which allows the wounded Scatlock to escape as well. Later in Sherwood, Scatlock succumbs to his wounds, but not before realizing that Robin's tactics and leadership are sound. And Scatlock crowns Robin Hood the leader of the outlaws with his dying breath. Okay, it is time to get into those highs and lows, and we will start with Alan. So I'm going to start with a high, and what I really loved about this episode was it actually gave a reason of how Robin started the robbing the rich and giving to the poor. Concur. I think I think it's the, probably one of the only versions of Robin Hood where they, they actually explained how that idea came into his head, and the first time he did it, and sort of it laying that foundation for, for going forward. So I really loved that idea. And the fact that this episode, second episode in makes sense to do that, just setting up the basics. But it's one of the few occasions I've actually seen it explained and it made a lot of sense. That's, hey, this, you know, this money lender's been charging people twice as much as they borrowed. So we'll keep the amount that they borrowed and the extra interest we'll pay back to them. I thought was was really cool. So that for me was a high. It was like, oh, cool. But just a general, again, you know, if you watch this up, Watched it a couple of times. The first time you watch it, it's like, oh, that's a fun romp. And then you start looking at it and it's like, hey, this is actually addressing some pretty serious issues within the band, you know, you know, within the group. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like is, is Robin a freeloader to start with because Will's like, hey, you're not contributing anything. And Robin's like, no, we haven't yet, but I'm, you know, eating all your food and taking shelter and you guys are giving me security. It's about time I went and did something. So that battle for the leadership I thought was really cool. And then, the, you know, the thing of let, let's get the, the commoners on our side. Um, you know, it's better to be ingratiated with them rather than be against them. Yeah, I thought it was, again, a really sort of multi-layered episode um, of this show. As I'm watching along with these, um, obviously only the second one, but really surprised revisiting this show, how deep some of these episodes are, particularly these early ones. So I concur wholeheartedly, Alan. That has definitely leapt out at me is, like you say, we've only done two, but they've done a real good job sort of just meeting out that, you know, episode one, we learned where Robin came from, what he'll tolerate, what he won't tolerate, and how he does his business. (laughs) Episode two, like you said, we learn sort of where that came from, rob from the rich, give to the poor. You know, how did that come about? Like, they're layering this really well. And of course, as a probably as soon as you guys watched the episode and realized it was a lot about leadership, you knew I was going to run my mouth because, you know, I teach leadership, but it was definitely a really cool uh, case study for that. But I'll let other folks continue the discussion around that, and we will go to Jason. I'm going to start out with a what the. When I first saw Will back in episode one, I assumed it was going to be Will Scarlet. Mm-hmm. That was my it, question, too. Yeah. And then it's like Will Scatlock. And it's it dawned on me. I haven't seen a Little John. I haven't seen a Friar Tuck. I haven't seen a Will Scarlet. I haven't seen a Maid Marion. So I'm kind of curious. Like, are those characters going to make an appearance? And I'm a little bit worried. So. Um, the Jared shaking his head, so it seems like I'm I'm on solid solid ground. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's just I was really confused by the uh, Will as oh cool Will Scarlet, and then like nope, that's Will Scatlock. Who the heck is he? Doesn't matter. He dead. He dead. <laughs> Delvin, keep it going, boys. I'm really liking Robin Hood. Like man, this was easy. This was an easy watch. Twenty six minutes went by lightning quick. Um, let's pick a high. I like the bond that Robin Hood and Edgar have formed. Edgar is very likable. Uh, They have a very good one-two combo going on. That was fantastic. And I really like Robin Hood's, he kind of had a laid back approach, like, but not laid back in a way that even denoted freeload or anything. It was more like, 
I, I just saw, I can't remember who said it, but sometimes I stray away from these because it, it always seems to like go too macho or whatever. But some guy, um, some real on Instagram was just saying that if you're an alpha, if you're one of the alpha people in the group, you're probably the quietest. And what was Robin doing for the most part? Taking in the whole scene, like the whole time he was observing. He wasn't being overly boastful about any of his, you know, past nobility. He wasn't being boastful about him being a military war hero. He wasn't being boastful about any of his weapons acumen. In fact, he was using it to teach. And only when Will Scatlock came and challenged him did he go a little bit more aggressive and then just ended it with a bonk on his head, you know. And, and so even then, had, he had an opportunity to go overboard and he didn't. He quietly bested him, but then went back to kind of that role of retreating. So tons of things to like about this episode. And that's a few of them. Absolutely. They just keep layering it on, layering on layers and levels for Robin Hood. You know, Jason was nervous that we haven't seen Mayberry and Friar Tuck. Like they're going to layer that on too, apparently. Because I just got to be coming. patient. I know they're coming. Like, what that is really, gratification. I really like what they're doing here. Uh, what about you, Pat? It's your turn to chat. You know, I, I'm agreeing with what you guys are all saying here is that, you know, this is like a slow burn of Robin Hood and the lore that we know that's coming in like Jason. I was like, was that Will Scarlet? Where's Will Scarlet? What's going on here? And so when, when you just read his last name, cause I didn't know what his last name was. I just heard him say, Will, I was like, Oh, well, so that wasn't Will Scarlet that died. I'm like, and I was like, why are they killing off Will? Right. <laughs> you know, it's good to see what, what they're building up here. And this episode compared to the first episode, this one was kind of heavy in a way, heavy in character, Characterization heavy and just made you think about what was going on. Like Alan said, made you think about, oh, well, that's made sense of why he was giving back some money and why he was, you know, getting the other townspeople or the people of the area to respect him because he knows that he's going to need their help down the road or at least, you know, win them over to help them along any way that they can. So, yeah, a lot going on here. Um, I'm really interested in the ride where this will take us with this deep story. I hope it gets a little, you know, gets a little more deeper, but, and we have some fun along the way too. So I concur. And I'm going to do something I don't normally do here as we, we break between the, that was our end of the first round of highs and those go in the second. I'm going to plug something. It's not a paid promotion or anything, but I was recently at Baltimore Comic-Con and the Mad Cave Studios guys were there. They have a comic on the shelf now called Nottingham, which is basically a Robin Hood tale with a twist. It's told from the sheriff's point of view, and uh, it's very cool. Uh, all I have is issue seven that they gave me. They, they just gave it to me to read. I thought that was very nice of them. It's really good. So unpaid promotion. If you're into the whole Robin Hood thing and you kind of cross over into comics like on our other podcast, maybe check out Nottingham by Mad Cave Studios. It's written by David Hazan, and the art is by Shane Connery Volk. Check it out. Pretty cool. Anyways, with that unpaid promotion out of the way, just thought you guys, if you're Robin Hood fans, might like to know that. Let's get back to round two. Alan. So, actually, I, before I get into my next high-low watcher, I'm actually going to pick up on the Will Scarlet thing, because I was with Jason and Pat when I was like, what? They killed Will Scarlet. And we're in the second episode. What the hell? And then I actually was looking on IMDb because the character's name was not in the end credits. Um, so I looked it up on IMDb and it get, the character's name, as you said, was Will Scatlock. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. It's a different Will. Is there a connection? So I actually went and did some research. And boy, these guys are going really deep on their, their, their mythology here. Will Scatlock was actually, that character first appeared in 1598 in a Robin Hood play as Will Scarlet's half-brother. Okay. <laughs> so, and then later on, the two sort of became conflated and stuff. So, there's somewhere he's a completely different character. Somewhere he's a Will Scarlet's half brother, and somewhere he is is another name for Will Scarlet. But the fact that these got the, the TV show from the 1955 is referencing a character that first appeared in 1590 in the stories in the 1590s was like, boy, these guys are going deep on their mythology. Wow. Or, yeah, you know. 
I learned from the Kevin Costner Robin Hood that Will Scarlet is Robin Hood's half brother, so is Scatlock his quarter brother? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's just, just, I mean, everybody's got their own interpretation. <laughs> I figure that's pretty cool. 1858 all the way to 1955. No, 1598. Oh, I'm sorry. 1598 yeah, to 1955. Yeah. That's a character that hung in there. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really cool. No, I'm uh, glad you did because I, I, even though I did the research and I knew it was. Will Scatlock hits my, you know, summary. I just thought he was a character minute for the TV show. I didn't realize that it was lore. Yeah. <laughs> lore. With what Ellen's saying, then it makes it even more impressive that they build up this character of who's the head of the the crew right now and how he Robin Hood wins him over in the way, and you have that passing of the torch and and all that. I like that. Yeah. Though I thought the the Robin Hood. The hood in the end was a bit forced with his dying breath. It was like, where did the hood come from? They've not they've not mentioned Robin in the hood or Robin Hood. It's just been Robin, and all of a sudden he pulls this word hood out of thin air and said, They mentioned hood. it in the first episode. Did they? Very yep. end. Oh, okay. at the very at the very end. Okay. All right. He was like, oh, now I, you're Robin of the Hood or something like that. Okay, I will yeah. sit corrected then. Okay. But he didn't say Robin of the Hood. No. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed very forced. So. <laughs> All right, so my, my second go, I'm actually going to pick on passing the torch, as, as Pat mentioned it. The scene with the, the guy, when they're hiding in the house, you sort of referenced it earlier on, Jason and Pat, with the, the joke intro, where he, to try and prove that he doesn't care about the outlaws, and he's like, well, if they were white, hiding in my house, I hate him so much, I'd burn it down. And the sheriff's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and you see, just the reaction on the guy's face of, oh, shit. <laughs> I was just trying to bluff. <laughs> he was talking to himself. Where's my wife? Where's my kids? Are they yeah, in the yeah, house? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and, and then basically, so I was only joking. It's like, well, go do it or we're going to run you through with a sword. And it's like, okay, do I die or do I burn my house down and hope the two guys found the found the trap door, right? Yeah. I, I thought that was a great balance of humor and tension Yeah. Um, in just that one scene, which I think was indicative, again, of the whole show. You know, it had had its humorous moments as well as uh, the real tension. So I think that was my second uh, high point was was just the look on his face of the, oh, shit, that wasn't really a good idea. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On the the downside, he had to burn down his house. On the the upside, I saw his house. I'm like, you could rebuild that in about four to six hours. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he's planning on remodeling anyway. I don't know. I think another bathroom or whatever. <laughs> he did get that money back. So maybe with that extra money that he got back. He's like, yeah, maybe he could claim on the insurance too. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, goodness. Jason. Jason, what do you got? I think to build on what Delvin was talking about, I really like the character of Robin Hood. And it got me thinking back. You know, as I put myself in his shoes, this guy's whole world is turned upside down, right? We're only two episodes in. He's been away, fought in a war, came back, and everything's been stolen from him. Now he finds himself suddenly in league with these robbers, right? And so he's trying to figure it out. And we get to see him start to figure it out through this episode, like his first robbery he has to kind of talk himself up into it. He even asks Edgar, tell me something detestable about this guy so I can justify what I'm, what I'm about to do. He's upset. His old duel with uh, Will Scarlet, or sorry, Will Scatlock is around the fact that they robbed somebody that Robin himself respected and knew in his previous life. And that upset him. He's really in turmoil. And yet Jared and Delvin to your, both your points, he seems so relaxed as he's figuring out, he's uncompromising in his principles. He's accepting, this is my life for now, at least. I've got to deal with this, but I'm not going to compromise who I am. And I really appreciated that new level of nuance in the character. I will say, though, in kind of a a bit of a low, I want to see him up the hand-to-hand fighting to, like, Another forty percent. I want that Flash Gordon thirty nine level. You know, <laughs> his bow and arrow works down point, but I want to see some improved hand to hand fight. Fair enough. I think your points are all well made. And uh, I'm backtracking to that Nottingham comic book just to 
for the listeners. It's a mature audience's comic. Don't buy it for your kids. All right, Delvin, <laughs> I think it's your turn. <laughs> we haven't talked about the bad guy, the sheriff. Cunning. I think that if you have a great protagonist, then that protagonist is made even better by a great antagonist. And the sheriff seems pretty up to the task. Like when the moneylender was fooled and first, you know, he like showed a little bit of his ruthlessness where it's like, I mean, you, you lost your money. I, I still, I still got to get mine. So <laughs> you pay, you paying up or what, dude? Like, so that showed he was kind of a jerk, but then it showed he was cunning where as soon as he even heard the name Robin is like, Oh, hold up. Wait, Robin. Really? Robin was one. It's like, all right, we got to set a trap for this dude. This dude is a problem. We have to take care of this problem now. And he even, he didn't just sit back like, you know, like one of a fat lazy villain. He was out there in the field trying to take care of this problem, even to the effect that he, you know, cornered that guy and forced him into a situation of like, oh, you'll burn down your house? Okay, do it. Do it now or I'll kill you. And it's like, okay. So the only thing that he didn't do, he, he did the bad guy trope of he didn't stick around and watch the body. Because had he, he may have figured out what was going on. That was that was his only flaw in the whole uh, show was that he kind of just walked away after doing the dastardly deed rather than seeing that the dastardly deed was done. Other than that, really good foe. So I'm interested to see how Robin and the sheriff clash in coming episodes, because I was really impressed with the sheriff too. Excellent point. Excellent point. Pat, you get to bring us home. So if you got a bunch of stuff on your notes, now's the time. I do have just a few things and they're all kind of rolled up into one. I'm going to talk about the fight in this one. It was a good, you know, I want to call it a shootout because they didn't have guns. They just had arrows in this one. So it was, you know, and you'd hear that arrow go by and, you know, into what it would hit and all that. And I thought that was really cool. It's like, man, I haven't seen a good arrow fight in a long time. (laughs) And, And I really liked it. It reminds me of just, you know, going out as a kid with the bows and with the, with the suction cups on the end and you would just ping, ping, lots of fun. But I had some questions on those arrow shots. There was a few that were a little awkward for me. And I want to start with at the beginning when the guy asked Robin if he shoots and Robin said, yeah, I do a little bit. I thought he asked him if he could, you know, slice that arrow in half or whatever. Right. Is that what he asked him to do? It sounded like he said, can you split it? Split it. Yeah. And he did it. And he missed But then they're all like, ooh, man, that was a good shot. I was like, well, really, was it? He didn't, well, he didn't do it. Yeah, I thought the same first time I watched it. And then the second time I thought, well, did they mean, could he split the log? Oh, okay. Well, did the log split, though? I don't know. But, I mean, it landed in the middle of the log. Yeah. I don't know whether okay. it was a term. But there was, there was actually a couple oh, of... splitting in the middle, maybe. Yeah, there was okay. a couple of dialogue missteps as well. Just, like, with the money, um, the guy said he was robbed of 15 pounds. And then later on, they said they, they, they recovered 15 guineas. 15 pounds and 15 guineas is not the same amount of money. So, um, mm. there was a couple of dialogue slips, but... I don't know. Okay. I didn't grow up in Middle Earth either. I don't... Yeah. Maybe it was a before, huh? Yeah, okay, so then I'm glad I'm not the only one that heard it that way. I'm like, well, that wasn't really too impressive. Yeah, it's a good shot, but <laughs> well, it didn't well, fun- split anything. It was funny enough that, you know, Alan said, well, maybe split the log means, like, be- hit it right in the middle. And then I, the no prize I gave to it was, I thought, well, maybe by can you split it, they mean where, you know, he hit it, the first guy hit it in the log pretty high up on the pole. Okay. By split it, they mean can you hit the pole in that space that he left? Uh, that's okay. how I know prize. That's how I know well. prize. Yeah. Like maybe that's what they meant. Like split the distance. Well, well I kind of thought then too. I'm like, well, you know, he's robbing everybody. You know, we know he's a good shot. He didn't need to really play it off as you know, like, hey, I'm better than you. Just let me. You know what I mean? I thought maybe he was just playing along with them to you know get them to like him and all that, and just go, hey, I'm just one of you guys. But here on Impact, you're on Arrow Watch. All right. Yeah. We, we oh. all know a splitting of an arrow is like Robin his, Lord. His thing. We yeah, need yeah. to see this happen. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was I was really thrown off. But now I'll go to another shot that Robin did later on during the fight with with the guards and all that. It looks like he shot one of the guards in the nuts, in the tummy feathers. Yeah, I, I thought too. so too. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" Oh that guy man, went down. Got one in the coin purse, man. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, the tummy feathers, no." 
I was like, oh, wow, boy, that's a good shot there. So, again, lots of fun just watching that. And just, you know, we're so used to nowadays just seeing gunfights or, or, or things like that. But it's like, wow, that's how they really would kind of fight back then. So it was interesting to see. They were splitting up there. How many arrows you got left? <laughs> you know, I actually love that bit about how many yeah. arrows because going back to Delvin's point about the leadership, Robin's leadership, I mean, he's splitting up the, the troops and he's like, you guys take the wounded man and he actually gifts them his own arrow mm-hmm. and collects everybody's arrows and gives the remaining ammunition to the guys who are guarding the wounded man and taking the wounded man to safety while he and Edgar go off to basically to distract the sheriff's men yeah. with, that, with no, no ammo, no, no arrows. They are completely unarmed. So, yeah, I thought that was, that was a great point of him kept going and collecting all the arrows and giving it to the guys who need to protect the wounded man I thought was really cool. Yeah, I. It's funny you should mention that because the first second I thought they were going to go a whole other direction with that. Like, hey, uh, give Robin the arrows. It's kind of like give Michael Jordan the basketball, right? Like he's <laughs> he's clearly going to be the best shot. <laughs> Just give this dude the arrows. But it was cool when I realized, oh, he's 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 leadership moment. He's handing him over to save this guy. Very cool. All right, guys, any wrap up uh, burning thoughts before we go to? So as you guys will watch the first episode, which I did after I listened to your podcast. Did you notice the recurring actor in a different role? It's in my fun. It's my fun fact. <laughs> All right, I'll shut up then. Okay. <laughs> ah, the dangers of not sharing the script with Alan. My primo fun fact for this episode, I called it "Evil Leo McKern." Because All right, I'll shut up then. <laughs> right. All right. Let's, you're going to give me a perfect segue. So, Evil Leo McKern. Leo McKern was the guy who played Delil in the last episode. The guy who moved into Robin's house. In this episode, he uh. played the moneylender. <laughs> So they they got a lot of mileage out of old Leo McKern. And I will add an additional fun fact, related fact. I don't have it in the script, but I was refreshing myself on the Basil Rathbone Holmeses recently. And I was watching their very first one, which was Hound of Baskervilles, 1939. And the guy who played Henry Baskerville was Richard Green. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool because he's the guy who plays Robin Hood. And so it's like a melding of our homes and our Robin Hoods. And then what fascinated me even further is Richard Green in The Hound of Baskervilles had top billing. <laughs> it went Richard Green, Basil Rathbone, can't remember the lady's name who played the female lead, and then Nigel Bruce got fourth billing. <laughs> I was like, Wow. That's weird, <laughs> but uh, Watson's in that story more than any of them. <laughs> exactly right, but you know it was the first movie, so they hadn't kind of figured out there was a franchise yet, I guess. But anyway, I thought it was kind of a neat melding of our Holmeses and our Robin Hoods. That uh, Richard Green Robin Hood was with Basil Rathbone Holmes in that first movie, nineteen thirty nine. So this was filmed sixteen years on, and I gotta say, Richard Green still looking pretty good here. <laughs> he's, he's he's holding up all right. He's doing good. All right, guys, with that, it's time to get into our arrow rating. All right, if you give it five arrows, that means you loved it. Four arrows means it's very good. Three was just good. Two was just okay. And one, I did not like it. It burned my house down. So one to five. Alan, we'll start with you. I'm pleading the Delvin fifth that I'm not going to give five this early on. I need a second episode in. But again, this was surprisingly multi-layered well-balanced, great character moments, great action, great fight scenes. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a four because I know there's other stuff still to come. But but I, I was, yeah, almost a five, but I'm just going to keep the five back, I think, for the moment. All right. So plead the Delvin fifth. It's more like the Delvin fourth, I think. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Pat? I'm going to give this a four. Like Alan said, it had just about everything in it in a short amount of time. Good character moments, good action. Scenery was very cool too, just to see them out in the the woods like that. Yeah, four. Delvin. Guess I'm pulling a swerve on everybody. It's a five for me. I mean, I gave the first one a four, and usually how I work is I'm like, okay, I'm not just gonna start with a five, but I mean, last episode was multi-layered and interesting. And then this one was also multi-layered and very interesting. And I am really liking the character Robin Hood. I'm liking how he ascended to be a leader. I'm liking the the nemesis of, the sh- of being the sheriff and how dastardly he is. It's the basis of a very good show so far, and I'm really impressed. It's a five. Jason? I'm going to be at a four. 
I'm really liking the show as well. If you would have told me I'd be liking this better than Batman, I wouldn't have believed you till I started really watching the show. I think this is much more interesting, much more layered and very entertaining. Uh, I'm saving my five for when I see some little John or Maid Marian, Friar Tuck, the split the arrow moment. That's what I'm holding out my fives for. I understand. I'm going to be the Edgar to Delvin's Robin, and I'm giving it a five with him in the forest. Hey, there he is. Like you guys said, this one was funny. It was a little scary. It had adventure. And you guys know me. As soon as I threw those leadership lessons in there, I was like, ooh, ooh, I could use this in class. And so, yeah, it's a five for me as well. So fours and fives all around. We got ourselves a mighty fine episode. With that, it's time to get into the Sherwood Forest mailbag. Of course, we're thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are a band of merry men and women. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special longbox episodes, voting on show content, raffle prizes, so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robeson. Dave Battlewagon Collins. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason King. We think. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Hadn't gotten all yet, Pat. 32 episodes to go. <laughs> Wait, 37. <laughs> Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. The MVP. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick. Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. Oh, the Sheriff of Northingham. Because <laughs> he's a we got Canadian it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got We got it. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. We apologize for nothing else. If we miss anyone on our list, of course, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance for release. So if you're a recent edition, we will add you soon. But no worries. You can let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. And if you're asking yourself, well, how do I join this band of merry men in Sherwood Forest and become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as one guinea a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusade. I don't know how much a guinea is worth. One dollar, one American dollar a month. You get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Before I continue on that, how much is a guinea? Is, is that still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> oh, still Wait, a thing. Educate <laughs> us, Alan. I have no idea. <laughs> a, guinea, a guinea is one pound and one shilling. So, so 15 guineas is 15 pounds, 15 shillings, which is 15 and three quarter pounds, sort of. Matt, you probably you guys probably pretty good at math because I didn't follow any of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 27 gropes and a perch. There you go. Ah! <laughs> gropes? Gropes. Oh, I thought that uh, was 27 gropes. With, <laughs> with love, strangled that dude with one. Anyway. <laughs> That's a garrot, Jared. Garrot. Yeah. Garrot is where I parked my car and got my That's garage. Garage. <laughs> is it a nice clean garage, though? With- yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> clean. Clean. <laughs> All right. Back to the show. No two gosh damn outtakes on this show. Now, if you don't have any extra scratch laying around, you want to help us out. Maybe write a review for the show if you're using uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasters that have the review ability. Eh, maybe help us out. Say something nice about us. If we catch your review out there on the internet and we like it, we're going to read it on the show. Now we're going to get into our shares, retweets, and comments. Now, last time, I think we had literally one share. The good news, people, we've doubled it. All right. So I'm just going to get these out of the way and I'll leave the comments to my, to my people. Actually, you know what? I think we have two comments. So here's what we're going to do. Pat, you can read the shares. Jason comment one, Delvin comment two. Pat, go for it. We have shares from Tim Price and Xenozoic Xenophiles. Jason. 
Well, I guess I'll just take the uh, top one here from Robin Hood Bold Outlaw. And it says, in the podcast, you suggest opening verses might have inspired the opening of the Disney Robin Hood. The 1955 Adventures of Robin Hood was influenced by a Disney movie. The 1952 live-action Disney film, The Story of Robin Hood and His Merry Men. Very cool. That is cool. And I hope Robin Hood Bold Outlaw continues to listen to the show and comment. It sounds like a pretty big fan. Could be an alternate account for Alan. Not sure. I would say I follow that guy. He knows his Robin Hood mythology deep. He's the, <laughs> he, he's the, he's the equivalent of the Bond lexicon on Robin Hood as far as I'm concerned. So. Oh, now wow. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he seems like a nice guy. I'm sure if we mess something up, he'll let us know in a nice way. Or it could be a gal. I don't know. Nice account anyway. So welcome, Robin Hood, Bold Outlaw. We certainly hope you stay. If you're on Twitter, you like to know things about Robin Hood, highly recommend following that account. It's at Bold Outlaw on Twitter. Delvin. The second comment is from Alan J. Porter, who says, oh, Robin Hood, this seems like an inspired idea. Thank you, Alan. It, it was. And if he were here, I would tell him in person. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. I- yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I follow him. Okay, so that's it for our comments, which is like, that's a pretty good amount for this show. <laughs> if you would like to be a, a part of that, we're going to tell you where to find that in just a moment. I know Pat will, but if you would like to leave a voicemail with your opinion on the show, looking at you, Robin Hood Bold Outlaw, feel free to call in. Our phone number is 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Gentlemen, pick up the phone. There you go. You can call, leave a voicemail with your thoughts. We will put it on the show. I've had a couple of people mention that they wouldn't mind calling in, but they're kind of worried that they'll stutter or stammer on it and they'll sound silly. Here's a hint. We're going to edit you, make you sound nice. <laughs> so you should hear what I sound like before. It's <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing, man. It's all magic. But if you have that concern or if you want to leave voicemail and you didn't like it, leave a second one. Say, hey, this is my second one. Please disregard the first one. We'll, we'll do that for you. So 707-532-5269. We would love to hear from you and play it on the show. Jason, take us home. That's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and almost mostly all the podcatchers that are out there now. We're also on www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jason. Well, thank you, Pat. And- We also love James Bond within this group. So if you want to hear us on our track through all things James Bond, we go through the films, the comics, the original novels. We go through the music. We go through James Bond adjacent stuff like Man from Uncle. We do it all, man. And you can find it on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Of course, Christopher Watkins here for this part of the show. If you want to listen to the... On a Majesty's Secret podcast, you go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any podcatches, it's out there. Go to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com. Go to Twitter, at OHMS Pod. And you know what? I once was up for a role in the Robin Hood movie. This is one that Kevin Costner got. You heard his take. Here's mine. You tell me which is better. We take our chances with the ghosts of Sherwood, and we become ghosts ourselves. Yeah, you be the judge. Back to you, Kevin. Yeah, it, Kevin's better. Hey, Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I better step in at this point. <laughs> if you, <laughs> I got away from <laughs> You're definitely walking a fine line there. <laughs> I got invested in the part. Chris I got invested in the part when oh. the guy tried out for another part. <laughs> Chris is Chris is mean. <laughs> I think he would have been a good Sheriff Nottingham. Okay. Come on, guys. I got to get through this now. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Delvin, go ahead and kick us off. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. What about you, Pat? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jert, where can they find you? I am at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares, which does include a little Robin Hood stuff, at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Alan, 
You can find me at Alan J. Porter on Twitter, Instagram, and now Hive. And you can also find me, you can find me my website at alanjporter.com for all my links to all my online stuff. Thank you, Alan. And you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter and Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. Restock your utility belt and call in the boy wonder because our next episode will continue our journey through the 1943 Batman serial. We'll see you next episode for Chapter 11, A Nipponese Trap. The meetup location, Gotham City. To a tavern on the green They vowed to help the people of the king They handled all the trouble On the English country scene And still found plenty of time to sing Robin Hood, Robin Hood Riding through the glen with his band of men, feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin this film has been flown to the United States by a Pan American World Airways. Outtakes. And let the uh, gregarious. Does it what? <sighs> Jared, is it gregarious? Gregarious. Okay. <laughs> Can, can we change this word so he doesn't have the trip over oh, 39? He's gonna get it. You're just being cruel at this point. I am, I am changing that. For Gregarious. Okay, hold it. I got it. I got it now.